good, good morning, everybody. Thanks so much for being here on today. A uh, couple things. Next week is a massive week in our church. We have what we, we call it a big day. All that means is that you need to invite somebody to church. You can't come by yourself. That's all that means. It means you're going to leverage every person that attends to a church, whether you're at a Louisville campus, whether you're at a Prosper campus, uh, as we open up those two campuses, whether you're a part of our e-community, or wherever you are, it's your assignment this week to find somebody and to tell them you got to watch church with me or you got to come to church with me. And so and that's your only assignment. Your only assignment is not to be selfish with it. It's our big day. We're starting a new series called The Insignificant Other. It's about relationships. And I cannot wait. I have the first one dialed up, ready to go already. And I'm looking forward to it, okay? So your only assignment is to come and to bring somebody with you. Anybody that's struggling in a relationship, who want to be married and is not married yet. Anybody that's having a good time in their marital relationship, but they want to make it better. Any of those people you know? Oh, yeah. It's that. It's the week. It's for the next six weeks. We're going to do a, a sermon series called The Insignificant Other. I can't wait. All right. Uh, however, on today, on today, um, I'm going to end and close our discernment series, How to Make Wise Decisions. You're going to get two tools at the end of our time, one for your kids so that they know how to deal with fear, how to deal with anger, how to deal with these monsters that show up. We're going to talk about it. You're going to have a tool that has a Bible passage associated with it at the end of our service today. And so you'll be able to take that home and make it a, a part of your devotional time with your kids. In addition to that, there's a tool that's for you. And it's a tool that will tell you what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 really means. And you'll be able to walk through it. And you want to walk through it the way and in the uh, translation that we've given it to you. Because I think it's powerful. Then there's going to be five things that we're calling you to do whenever you face conflict relationally. It's our kickoff or a start to this relationship series and our close to our decision-making Serious. So I'm pretty excited about that. And so lastly, before we jump into our talk today, uh, 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 if Facebook shuts us down or YouTube because of the content of this material, you need to go over to uh, uh, iCampus or to our app or to a website and you can watch it there. Put your seatbelts on. This is not for the average today. Okay. If you, um, if you only want to hear stuff about you, come back next week, log off, come back next week. This ain't the sermon for you. This is the sermon for churches all across America and the world so that you can take a look from a macro perspective what's going on in our country, and then I'm going to show you how, we, how it fleshes itself out in the micro level on social media platforms. Because a lot of us are dabbling in stuff that we have no idea the macro agenda and what it's trying to do. So on today, because we're going to preach fearlessly, because we're not looking for popular views on today, we can do that next week, but on today, we're just trying to declare the pure word of God so you can get exposed to what the culture is trying to do to Christians. Here we go. Put your seatbelt on. You're going to have some haters today, but that's all right. I expect that we will lose about 500 views today, but that's all right. 
we're going to preach the word of God because we're not, a, we're not afraid and we will never be afraid of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't say amen yet. We need Jesus in this one. So we're going to pray. Ask him to remove me and to make it plain. <laughs> Woo! Here we go, Father. <laughs> Father, Father, help us today, will you please? Uh, it is so easy to be deceived in this culture. It really, really is, God. And so as we, as we try to pull the curtains back, at how secularism is trying to convert Christians and how Christians have waned in their responsibility to convert those who are far from God. Will you help all of us make this critical decision every single day? Will you remove me so that your word can be declared to your people? Will you bind the enemy so that your saints can be informed and inspired to do what you've called all of us to do? We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, 64%, the latest survey says, of kids who leave a Christian home will come back. 64% of them will never, ever, ever come back to the church. Think about that. You did your best to raise your kids. You, you release them into an educational institution. And by the time they come back, or by the time they call you, they've lost their faith. I want to show you why. Um, there's this thing called secularism, which, whose job it is to remove any form of Christianity away from it. And the culture as a whole has bought in so much that it now says it's our job to make sure that, that, that Christians know not just that they're bad, but that they're the enemy and they're ultimately the problem. Because they have a set of truth that they want other people believe, to believe. But in secularism, the truth is not defined by something, listen to this, by something outs, outside of them. It is defined by something inside. There has never been a culture ever in the history of man who decided that, 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 that when you're looking for truth, it should be looked for inside of you. It's always been outside. So you find something outside that you want to worship and then you align your truth and your feelings and everything else to that thing on the outside, on the outside of you. This culture, for the first time, has decided that no, truth is not determined by anything outside of me. Truth is now determined by what's in me. And when I come out with what's in me, you better accommodate me or I will cancel you. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not asking you this now. It's going to show up on your social media feed like this. Hey, man, if somebody hurts you, just do you. Because all that matters is you. And you just do your truth because you define your truth. And you like it. And when you like it, you don't even realize what you're liking. You're liking a system that is anti-God. Oh, don't get, I don't need no applause today. 
Here's why I don't need cuss. I don't, because the problem is secularism has now come into the church and want to rule the church. And we don't even know it. I lost 15 a while ago. It's okay. I don't know, by the way. I'm just guessing. <laughs> this is so dangerous. But I'm going to try to take it one level down. So you can see it clearly. When it comes to secularism, here's what they say. They decide that um, there's a narrative that must be populated so it can be embraced. When it comes to happiness, how I want to be happy. When it comes to happiness, here's the narrative. Never sacrifice yourself for anybody else. That's the narrative. And, and you're believing this, and you don't even realize you're believing it. Pastor, how do we believe it? That's why you get a divorce so easy. Because it says, never sacrifice yourself for anybody else. So now you interpret that, and, and, and somebody tweeted, and you like, 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 and you tweet, and somebody put it on uh, Insta. So like, 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 and a Christian who believed in Christ, who gave himself up and sacrificed himself for you. You believe in something that's the antithesis of what Christianity is all about. And you don't even know it. This side look a little quiet over here. Let me, let me take the next one over here. Morality, morality, morality clear. Here's the narrative for morality, y'all. Morality says, as secularism, it says, all morality is socially constructed. In other words, there's nothing outside of us that should tell us what, what is moral and what's not. What's moral is what we collectively now believe is moral. Okay, you see, you're not feeling again. All right, um, that's why it ain't nothing no more for two people to live together and it not be a big deal. Because now the culture has now predominantly accepted it. It's not a big, why y'all making so much noise about this stuff? Come on. At least the divorce, look how high the divorce rate is. Man, I'm just doing something different. Let me just do what I do and you do what you do because that marriage thing don't work. So I'm going to do me because the culture has accepted it as norm. And, and so when you see your boy and your girl hanging out and they living together, you be like, 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 because... You have been numbed. Your identity narrative. Identity, who are you? Here's what it says. Here's what secularism says. It says, you have to be true to yourself. Be who you are. And when you see that, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Be true to yourself. Be you. You be like, 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 like. You don't even realize what you're liking. You're liking something that's anti-Bible. Because here's what my God says. My God says, here's how you know your identity. You have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, you no longer live. It is now Jesus Christ that's living in you. Okay, you're not feeling me. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me turn it up a little bit. Let me turn it up a little bit. Um, uh, it's okay to walk out today, by the way. You're not offending me. Um, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. 
That's why one of, one of, one of our friends uh, put on social media one time. They put, um, I'm first a Christian and then I'm black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they tried to cancel her. Mm. You know why? Because what you're saying is you're first defined by Jesus. But the Bible says so. Yes, if you did, then what are you being defined by the color of your skin for? You're supposed to be defined by the, the teachings and the thinking of Jesus, the Christ. But when you're missing it, you go like, 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 like. I'm a, I'm a black woman or a black man first. I ain't no Christian first. I'm black first. You don't even realize what you're saying. What well, might as well, Jesus didn't die for you then. No, some of you are going to take it too far. I am not saying you ain't a black or a white or Asian or Indian or a, or a Hispanic person. I'm not saying you're not. But I'm saying if you know Jesus Christ and he went to a death for you and got crushed for you, then you know if you know Jesus, that is. That you're not defined first by the color of your skin. You're defined first by the one who died for you. But if you're not careful, the narrative that believes that Christianity and Christ is the problem, they're going to try and cancel you. It's not the popular way. It's not the way that gets the most likes. It should not be. It's the road less traveled. It's not the wide road that everybody wants to be a part of. So if you want to be, if you want to get more and more popular, that means you've got to acquiesce and you've got to, you've got to surrender some of your, some of the thinkings and the thoughts of Christ so that everybody can like you. And here's where it's even more dangerous. Back in the day when you were raising kids, grandparents, you could protect what they saw and you could protect who they hung with. And you could protect what they, from what they read and what they played. Oh, you can today. I know y'all think, well, my kids go to Christian school and my kids, I, I'm watching everything they do. And, and, and here's all you need to know. If they on TikTok, the whole culture is at their fingertips. If they on YouTube, the entire culture is at their fingertips. It, it, so, so unless you live in a monastery somewhere, Oh, this culture is fine. If they watch cartoons, anyone, it's there. Because they, 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 wanna, they just want to slip it in. Times all the time. I'm trying to help somebody today. Some people are going to hate me, but it was never a popularity contest. So here we go. Freedom. Here's the freedom narrative. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Here's, from a secular, here, here it is. Here it is. As long as I am not hurting or harming someone else, I should be free to do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, and get out of my life and let me be me. That's it. And then the, the, that phrase, harming somebody, has now been watered all the way down. So if they're even offended. You have harmed them. <laughs> That's the culture we live in. That is it. I don't care what you say. That's 
what the culture is trying to do. From a macro perspective, I'm trying to help you to see this is not a game. When you see noise on this side, they're trying to slip through some stuff on this side. Don't follow the noise. Follow what the person that everybody thinks is the best is trying to do. All right, that's enough. You can't take no more. So let me show you now how the enemy, what his strategies are. This is very important. Let me show you what the enemy's strategies are in light of this. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Watch this. Um, the enemy, I know you can't see, don't worry about it yet. The enemy says that in light of those, there's some things that he wants to be normal in our culture. He says, I want it to be, I want anger to be normal. Now, Pastor, what do you mean? So now, when somebody doesn't agree with the stuff you agree with, now they want to they wanna, they wanna be frustrated with you. They can't have anything to do with you. They want to they wanna write you off and cut you out of their lives. So now we can't have conversations and we can't disagree because now if you don't think like me, believe like me, and act like me, then I need to remove you from our lives. And if you don't think this has impacted the church, Oh, it's all over the church. I got, I, got, I got a lot of our white members who said our black members wouldn't talk to them during the whole political season. That's because secularism has become the new norm in your life and not the word of God. What is wrong with you that you can't talk to somebody else because they think differently than you do? Half this church is, half this church is Republican, half Democrat. Just because they're black don't mean they're all Democrats. What's wrong with you? But why do we allow a, 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 a worldview from another system, secularism, to influence how we treat each other? I couldn't talk about this before the election. That's why I can't talk about it now. Because y'all would say I'm choosing a side. All I'm saying is, see this word right here, anger? What the enemy wants is for us to get increasingly frustrated and angry at others and write them off because his goal is to destroy this thing that Christ is trying to build called the church. Anger. You don't tell me that you get mad at everybody just because they don't think like you. You don't tell me that you get mad at everybody because they don't do the things you want them to do. You, 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 you don't get to control everything. That's not the only one, though. Fear. You see, COVID, I believe we should be absolutely critical in making sure we have the right um, boundaries, making sure we protect everybody, all of that. That's not so true. Here's my concern. And I've marked my word on this. After COVID, everybody's still going to walk around fearful. I promise you. You watch. Because this is, this, behind this is the enemy trying to create fear everywhere we go. I'm not talking you shouldn't wear a mask. I'm not talking you shouldn't be, take all the precautions. I'm saying all of those should be taken. But I'm saying when it's, oh, I'm saying when it's okay for you to go everywhere else except church. Everywhere else 
you're fine. Put your mask on, let's social distance, everywhere else. But when it comes, oh yeah, I'm just not fear. You know, I'm just not there yet. And you think, and you think the enemy is not behind it? Now listen, 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 listen. Don't, don't, don't get mad for the wrong reason. Get mad for the right reason. I am not saying if you're over a certain age, you shouldn't come nowhere. You should stay and you should be safe. A hundred percent agreed. But don't tell me that you can go to a concert. You can go to everywhere else that's going on right now. You can take your kids. You ain't afraid to go in no stadium with no kids. All I'm saying is just be careful because the enemy wants to create fear and if he can keep you outside of the word of God, and here's what some of you are arguing right now. Well, Pastor, I can hear the word. I'm listening to the word right now. But you're not dialed in. And, it, and, it, and if, if something starts to boil, you're gone. And if so, eh, I need to take a shower while I do this. Or, you know what, let me just talk to my girl. You know, come on, man, you know what I'm talking about. We just lost 16 more. Despair. Teenagers in this area, one church, not this one, but another church, six of them have died in the last two months. Despair. Drive to places, jump off bridges, I'm done. It's too much. Life between the age of 16 and 25. Life's too much. I can't take it anymore. I don't want to be locked up in this house anymore. I can't take it. I can't take it. I can't take it. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I have anxiety every day. And I can't take it. I need an escape. And you think the enemy is not behind this? You think he's not trying to set up a counter culture and a counter kingdom that's built on three uh, uh, pillars that cannot hold up because the more you lean on these, the more your foundation will crumble. Ladies and gentlemen, secularism leads to anger. It leads to fear. It leads to despair. And none of them can keep you your foundation will always be shaking. It's normal, fam. That is, that is what the enemy wants us to do. This is how he wants us to live. He wants anger to be normal in our lives. He wants us to write people off in our lives. That's what he wants. And yet still we're giving it to him. Fear he wants us to be. You know what? When Daniel, when Daniel um, 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 went into that lion's den, Daniel didn't fear the lions. He feared misrepresenting his God. So he feared Esther. Remember when Esther started? What, what she said, well, well, I mean, I might die. And after she got coached by her mentor, she said, hey. The Lord give and the Lord take it away. This is my time. It's my time. But here's what I need to know. I'm going to represent God in this matter. Yeah. What are them saints at? What are them saints that's not gripped by fear? Every move you make, you're fearful. What are the saints that's not gripped by anger, but instead by love? What are them saints at? What are the saints that are not pulling their hair out? Because here's what most of us look like. You know this. You, you know this. 
Most of us look like this, y'all. Most of us look like this. We, we kicking it. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. We sleeping. We sleeping at 3 in the morning. We sleeping. Oh, we kicking it, sleeping. And then at 3 o'clock, we can't, we can't take it no more. So we get up. Because something on our mind. Here's what, the, here's what Christians have a tendency to do. What's on our mind? Or health. I feel this pain right here. I wonder if I'm going to make it. Three o'clock in the morning. Oh, Lord. I can't take it. I can't take it. This is just a mess. And what kind of country? I'm going to move to another country. I can't take it. This is an absolute atrocious mess. I can't take it. If you're in Florida, your other country is Texas. If you're in, if you're in Texas... <laughs> if you're in Texas, you're finna move to like, I'm finna go to, to the Virgin Islands or something. Racism. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it. If one person look at me, I can't take everything you see. Racism. That's what peak gets you up at night. Uh, uh, loneliness gets you up at night. L- let, me, let me play this one out just a little bit more. You're lonely. Yeah, at night. This you. People are like, no, Lord. You get up in the middle of the night, Lord, I just need somebody to hug me, Lord. Get somebody to hug me, Lord. I just need a hug. <laughs> COVID. Lord, I'm a, I, I don't want to get it. 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 And of course it's serious. But it shouldn't consume you. Job loss. Am I going to lose my job? Is this it? I mean, I had a tough conversation. Am I going to lose my job? And you want, you making it look like your boss at work is the one who has all control over everything. Marital issues. Lord, you know what? I can't take it no more, man. This you, you lying down. You've been looking at, you've been looking at the person. They, they fast asleep. They fast asleep. You better be glad. <laughs> Don't mess with me again. See what I could do to you right now? Don't mess with me again. Quit tripping like you don't do that at home sometimes. I know you do. Why does the Christians look just like the non-Christians? Because the Bible tells us what we need to do, don't it? The Bible tells us all the time. The Bible says, no, 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 not so with you. Quit living like the rest of the world. The Bible says, mm-mm. The Bible says, roll over on the other side of the bed. Roll over. The Bible says, um, First Peter chapter 4, the Bible says, no, no, that's not what you should be thinking about. Pastor, I might get COVID. No, that's not true. He says, whatsoever is true, that's what you need to be thinking about. That's not true. You don't have it yet. So let me be grateful that I don't have it instead of worry about the fact that I might get it. So here's what he says. Whatsoever is honorable. That's what you need to be thinking about. 
Whatsoever is of good repute, that's what you need to be thinking about. Whatsoever is worthy of praise, that's what you need to be thinking about. Whatsoever is true, but you got to know what the truth is. That's what you should be thinking about. Whatsoever is righteous, he says, that's what. Whatsoever is excellent, that's what you need to be. Whatsoever is love, that's what. Whatsoever is pure, that's what you need to be thinking about. Say, if it ain't on this list, you shouldn't be thinking about it. What you worrying about tomorrow for? He says, enjoy what I bless you with today and quit worrying about what might happen tomorrow. You serve a God that's in charge of the whole deal. What are you worrying about like the secularist? Because that's who you are. So think on these things. So you get up in the night, whatsoever is true. Lord, I just want to thank you for the richness of your word that gives me life so I don't have to get up and worry about what might happen because I know you're in control of it and I also know that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. So I'm going to believe your word, I'm going to memorize your word and then I'm going to go back and sleep in the name of Jesus. Because I'm not going to worry about something that might happen when I know the one who creates everything. Can I get a witness there? Instead, he says, I don't want you to allow the counterfeit devil to allow you to live based on these three. He says, no, that's not what I want. Instead, what I want from you is that I've told you what you need to be carriers of. You, believer, need to be carriers of. Say these words with me. Number one, hope. Number two, and number three, these three, but the greatest of these is, that's what you're carrying. Now notice, all of them counteract one of the ones that the enemy raises up. When there is fear, God says, I want you to give, say it with me. When there is despair, I want you to give. And when there is anger, I want you to give. You see the counteracting of what the enemy wants, y'all? You need to be carriers of this. What your life needs to look like is you walking around with this every single place you go. That's what your life should be looking like. Everywhere you go, you should walk with people and you should say, I am a carrier of these things. Just like the postal service, you need to walk around saying, I'm a carrier of love. You want some love? But girl, you need to come to me because I'm going to show you what love looks like. You want some faith? You need to come to me because I'm going to show you what faith looks like. You need some hope? You need to hang out with me because wherever I am you're going to get faith hope and love that's what the believer carries everywhere they go you don't get mad like everybody else oh you don't you're a carrier. Bible says you ought to love your enemies. You don't get mad at your enemies. You don't unfriend your enemies. You don't tell them I can't stand you. You don't tell them I can't talk to you in this season because you think so differently than me. And anybody who, anybody who, anybody, I can't stand. You don't get to do that in the name of Jesus. You get to be carriers of love. You don't get to walk like the rest of the world walks. 
You don't get to let them influence you. You let this word of God influences you. And it says he loved you when you were his enemy and wanted to have nothing to do with him. He still pursued you. He still liked your page. He still said, love. And he says, to the degree that you do that to somebody else, to that degree, I'm going to match your love. So you want to hate? Then that's what you're going to get. You don't want to give freely? You don't want to love comprehensively? Then you're going to get that same thing you're giving. In the name of Jesus, we need some Christians who want to rise up and say, as for me and my family, we're going to carry faith, hope, and love. Because what this world needs now more than ever before is some faith where there is fear. It's some love where there is anger. And it's some hope where there is despair. And your assignment believer, if you're here and you know him, is to walk around with all three and say, all I do is give them out. That's all I do. So you need some help? Come to me. I'll show you how to turn despair into hope. I'll show you how to turn your anger into love. I'll show you how to turn your fear into faith. Because there's a man I know. His name is Jesus. And he transformed me from the inside out. And if you trust him, he can do it for you too. But when you give them the same thing you get, then all you're doing is joining the secularists as they try to stamp out anybody who has truth outside of themselves. Not so with you. So let me see if I can turn the corner now and let's see if we can land this plane so we know, oh God, we got to be carriers of truth. So here's what he says. He says, oh, we got some notes, huh? Come, come, let's see if I can. I'm sorry, y'all. I, them notes be limiting me sometimes. All right, let me give you some notes. Uh, let me see if I can follow y'all. Y'all ready? Uh, four cultural influences. This is a parenthetical thought from preaching to now teaching, okay? Uh, number one is civil unrest. Number two is racial <laughs> racial issues. Number three is COVID-19. Number four is political issues. Those four have forged something in our culture that is now being used so that we can live in a state of the three things I told you. Fear, despair. Now, so what goes in the natural event is fear, anger, and despair. One, two, three. Everybody see that? Fear, anger, and despair. Okay? Now, the concern that I have is that after the pandemic, like in August or so, when everybody who wants the vaccine gets it, these three are still going to be here. And so your assignment then as a Christian is not to rebel or deal with these three. Your assignment is to live counterculture. Right? So this is so important. Listen now. Watch the next one. So what, what, what these do is it creates a cycle of mistrust. This is why relationships don't work. This is why more divorce are happening in the pandemic than ever before. Because all it creates is a cycle of this. When there's fear, when there is a despair, and when there's anger, all it creates is a cycle of um, drama. So let me explain. So when you talk about anger, here's what the Bible says. What, what the world will say is, hey, man, here's what I want you to do. If you don't like them no more, just, just bounce. Do you. Just bounce and do you. Be your best self. Don't care about that. Be your best self. Well, the Bible has a, a thought about that. If you bring that into marriage, now you're going to walk away from a marital relationship that you have no business walking away from because you're angry over an issue. Let me tell you what the Bible says about anger. The Bible says don't let anger go. Don't let, um, yeah, be angry and sit down. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Can I tell you why he says that? Listen to me. Don't miss this. Um, scoot up, scoot up, scoot up, scoot up, scoot up. Whenever you allow anger, to go overnight and not deal with it. God didn't create 
the body to be a repository for, for anger. You're not supposed to store it. There's nothing wrong with being frustrated and angry in a day. That's why he says be angry, but don't sin. So what he's saying is be angry, but then you got to talk to the person about it. Not gossip about it. Talk to the person about it and share your feelings. Okay? That's what's supposed to happen. But when you don't and you leave it overnight, you, do you know what the devil does? Here's what the enemy is so good. He really is good. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be like a snake. You know what a snake does, don't you? You never know a snake is there until the venom is inside of you. That's the only time you know that he's there. You don't see him coming. If he now, hey, I'm coming. That, that ain't no snake. That's what lions do. Not a snake. A snake says, I'm going to roll up on you. You ain't going to know until you hear. That's all you go. And then if you don't address it, you're going to die. That's exactly what he does with relationships. He says, I'm going I'm to sneak upon y'all. I'm going I'm to allow the venom to go inside of you, and it's going to destroy the relationship. Listen to me, please. Come here. We'll talk more about this in the coming weeks. But this is huge because when you go to bed overnight with anger, you leave, a, you leave the door open for the enemy to sliver his way in. But the enemy disguises himself as somebody else. The problem with anger is he, dis- he disguises himself as you and your thoughts and your voice. So all of a sudden, all you're hearing now is what you're saying overnight. So you went to bed and you're, you're ticked off, but you get up and you, you be like, I can't stop. I wish they would die. Just take them now, Lord. How you went from I'm mad at you to them dying? How you went? I tell you how you went. Because the enemy got a hold of your mind. And he says, I'm going I'm to put some venom in there. And I'm not going to stop until this relationship is destroyed. That's why you don't take anger lightly. You got to deal with it. So watch this now. So in the cycle of mistrust, look at your notes now. It starts with you having suspicion. So I don't know if this person is going to do me right. So I'm going to be suspicious. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, you're going to see in the moment, that he wants you to, to love, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. That's where trust comes in. Those are the four ideas, four phrases that talk about one word, which is trust. So the reason you have mistrust is because you always start, and the world wants you to start, with suspicion, not with trust. And whenever you, listen to me, whenever you start with suspicion, it's going to lead to rejection. Every time, in every conflict you have, if you're starting with, I don't know about this person, it's always, it always means you're headed toward rejection. When you head, that's the second word. When you're headed toward rejection, then the third word says you're a step, you're a step to close down the relationship. You just took a step to close it down. You don't even realize it. And then the last thing that happens is your failure to confront, and instead it leads to gossip. That's all because of anger. And so when God says you ought to love, that means he wants you now to not be suspicious, but to be more trusting. And pastor, I ain't God. I can't do that. Well, what do you think Jesus did for you? He wasn't suspicious with you. He loved you. He knew how wicked you were, and he still loved you. I had to pause. Another word came to my mind, but I deleted it. <laughs> That's a Christian. No, no, no. Come on, come on, come on. I'm telling something now. Did you realize that 
that when somebody feels like they're accepted, it's like a magnet. Wherever acceptance is, you run toward it. Wherever, it's like a magnet. If you say, oh my gosh, I, I like you, I, I believe in you, I, I appreciate you. And, they, and it's like a magnet, and it, you just are drawn to it. But whenever there's suspicion, it repels it. Because now you don't accept me. So now I've got to fight for you. That's what anger does. Which is why it's the counterfeit of this thing called love. Which is why when there's anger, it doesn't lead to love. It leads to suspicion, which means it leads to the ending of the relationship. That's why you don't let the world teach you about it. You let God turn the page over. So now we get to the three words that 1 Corinthians talk about. Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is what family? Love. You got it. So. Let's talk about it for a moment, and then I'm done with y'all. So now, um, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians 14, verse number 4, and I want you to see something. Um, uh, hey, Luke, come on up here. Come on up here, Luke. This is ad-libbing. I, we did not rehearse this or practice this. But Luke, come on up here. I want you to lie down right here, Luke. Just lie down right here. Give Luke a round. Be careful, Luke. Don't fall on me now. Come on, Luke. Yeah, right there, right there. You got it, Luke. Stay right there. I see them blue socks, by the way. Here we go. Here is the problem. Why, when, you, when your truth is inside of you and not outside of you, here is the problem. I want you to take this sheet up if you have it. This one. Okay? I'm going to read 1 Corinthians in a contemporary manner to show you what you must do if you're going to live out the teachings of Jesus Christ. I have a gurney on stage, and this gurney means that, that you have to die so that you can love the way God wants you to love. Because if you don't die, then you cannot do what God's called you to do, which is why the rest of the world can't do it. Because the rest of the world put, put pride, and because of pride, they put themselves in the middle of their lives. You ever notice the word pride? It has the letter I in the middle of it. You ever will notice the word um, anxiety has the letter I in the middle of it. Both of those come from you being the center of your world. You need to be on the outside of your world and let Jesus be on the inside of your world, which is why Peter later says, um, um, cast all your cares upon him. But before he said, that's the result. Before he says that, first, first Peter, he says, um, first of all, you got to humble yourself. The command is humble yourself. And the result, when you're humble, you're going to cast all your cares upon him. Most of us know you didn't humble yourself because as soon as you cast it, you want to take it back up. That's how you know. So you got to humble yourself, get the pride out of the way, get the anxiety out of the way, so you can genuinely now cast all your cares upon him. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. So now read what this says with me. Number one, if you're going to love like Jesus loved, here's what you have to do. You've got to be long-suffering, means dying to the desire for an untroubled life. In other words, if you don't want no trouble, if that's what you don't want no trouble, then you're not going to love like Christ loved. He says, my life is going to be filled with trouble. You're going to get trouble. Your assignment is that you need to be surrendered to God. So don't expect that everybody's going to walk around and give you everything you want. 
Don't like say that everybody's going to walk around and give you, okay, yeah, 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 let's make sure they're feeling good. Let's make sure they're going to be good. Let's make sure everything's going to be right for them. That's, that, I don't know where you're living. You get that when you get to heaven. Until then, you're going to have trouble. So you need to die. So every time, every single time, you be like, why are these people getting on my last nerve? You need to res- res- remind yourself, that's because I'm not dead yet. I still want to get up. I still want to get up. But when you've died and now Christ lives through you, now you're not bothered by an untroubled life. Number two, no, having no jealousy means dying to the desire for unshared affection. I can preach on all of these. This is one sermon for each one. Number three, not boasting means dying to your desire to call attention to your success. Tell everybody under 25 that. Nobody needs to know. Why can't you be successful and ain't nobody know? Why can't you be successful and stay in your same house? Why can't you be successful and stay with your same old car? Why can't you be successful and don't have to show nothing to nobody? Why can't you? If you're, not, if you're going to pursue not boasting, then you got to learn how to just go back to your closet and say, God, I don't deserve none of this. And I'm just grateful that you give it to me. That's what God said. Why everybody got to know? Why got to blast it on, on uh, 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 Insta? Hey, hey, man, just picked up my new, my new ride, man, my new chariot. I gave, I gave her a name already, my new chariot. <laughs> Number four, not acting unbecoming means dying to the desire to express our freedom offensively. You don't get to do that. Next one, not seeking our own way. Ooh, means dying to the dominance of our own preferences. I don't need to go to Jada where you want to go. Well, I, I want to go where you want to go. Do you, but don't you have preferences? Yes, but don't worry about that. I want to go where you want to go. To which Jada right now is saying, amen. <laughs> Not being easily provoked means dying to the need for no frustrations. Did you hear that? I don't, I don't, God, I don't, frustrations are fine. If they're there, that's fine. That's okay. Not easily provoked. Some of you, oh my God, nobody can even be in your presence for five minutes because you start talking about, oh my gosh, I can't stand it. Oh my God. Can you just stop eating? Can you just stop, just stop breathing? Can you just stop breathing? (laughs) Not taking account of wrong means dying to the desire for revenge. Ooh. I'm not going to keep any records of wrong, so I, I don't need any revenge. It's okay. It's all right. Where them Christians at? Where they at? Bearing all things, enduring all things means dying to the desire to run away from the pain of obedience. If you're going to love like Christ asks us to, then anger won't be a part of you. And if it is, you're going to deal with it that day. Mm-hmm. But if these are true for you, then you got to get on the gurney and you got to say, God, will you please, will you please take me away so that you can live through me? Come on, let's hear it for Luke. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate it, guys. Oh, you good? Oh. All right. So now turn over the last part and then, and then we're almost done. I'm going to talk about hope and then we're done. Um, turn over five commitments to model love. Number one, instead of Instead of being suspicious, you're going to assume the best. 
is when I feel the best. I, 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 know, I know what it feels like. I know what the sense is like. I know, but I'm going to assume the best. I'm not going to assume the worst. When others believe the worst about you, I will come to your defense. This is a whole different world. You're not going to see this on any channel or on any uh, uh, Instagram, Facebook, nothing else. Number three. If what I experience erodes my trust, I'm coming to you directly. I'm not talking about you. When I can't deliver on my promise, I'll tell you ahead of time. You don't have to find out from somebody. I'm going to tell you ahead of time. When you confront me, I will tell you the truth. I'm not going to hide it. You want to model Christ-likeness? You want to remove anger and frustration? Then let's model this. That's why we gave you as a tool. So you can walk away. Because the decision we have to make in this last series, last sermon in the sermon, is that every day you have to be a carrier of faith, hope, and love. You've got to wake up saying, I'm not carrying around fear. I'm not carrying around any other emotion except faith, hope, and love. Let's talk about hope and then we're done. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to be carriers of hope. We really, really do. Because this world needs it more than ever before in their lives. This world needs hope. You know why they need hope? Because something go wrong every day. And sometimes we forget that in the pressure, there is power. We forget that in the crushing, God's doing something to produce something through us. There cannot be a resurrection without a crucifixion. There just can't. You are the one. That's the carrier of hope. See, if, I'm, if I want to give away a T-shirt today, I can just throw it right there, and he can get one. See how easy that is? But sometimes, hey, guys, come on out, wherever you are. I need your help on this one. But sometimes, what God specializes in doing is your job is to remind people over and over and over again. Hold one side of this for me. You hold the other side. Your job is to remind people that what God specializes in is taking you right where you are and he specializes in saying, if I am pulling you back, it's because I got a plan for you. So even though you're going down and not up, if you just wait a little while, even though you're declining and you're not launching, if you just wait a little while, you've got a God who specializes in when things go down and when things go back, he has an assignment for you to launch you to places. And if it don't go really well the first time, he says, you, I'll pull you back down again and I'll stretch you wide again. And then I will release you to places. And if that's not far enough, he says, I will pull you a little further back and I will then release you into the future that I have for you. Ladies and gentlemen, it's our season, Christians, to walk around with faith, 
with hope and with love. And you are the carrier of the message of Jesus Christ that says, when he and things are pulling you down, that's not the time to give up. That's the time to say, though they slay me, I will not give up because I'm waiting for God to do what only God can do in my life. I wish I had a witness in here that can testify today that when they pulled me back, they didn't realize they were just setting me up for something that God was trying to do in me. Is there anybody that's waiting for God to launch you to places you have never been in your life before? Can I get a witness in here? Your God is that good. You are a carrier. You really are of hope. You're a carrier of love and you're a carrier of faith. Heavenly Father, we are grateful today that even though things might not look the way we want them to look, you specialize in pulling us down so you can launch us to places we never thought we would ever be. I pray for the person today who is, who is facing anxiety and despair and they have no hope. Will you remind them that you specialize. You love to take the things that the world has done to discourage you, to frustrate you, to make you mad and to tick you off. And that you love taking the little things of the world to confuse the wise. Will you take all our lives now? And will you do as you see fit? Transform us and then launch us. Crush us and then launch us. Break us and then launch us. Because we know God you operate in hope and tomorrow will be a better day than today is help us to not only believe it but to live it in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said come on put your hands together for the king of kings put your hands together for the lord of lords his name really is jesus Woo. all right here's what we're going to do you may be seated if you're in the house Family, here's all I want you to do. I, I really do. I want you to go and I want you to tell your friends that they need to come listen to this next sermon. Especially if they're Christians today. Because the culture is trying to save Christians from Jesus. Well, it's our job to share our faith with non-Christians so that they can come to know faith. Uh, Pastor Baxter, Randy, will you take it away now? And will you remind everybody online what's up, what's going on? But first, tell them your personal application for this sermon. Which one of those three do you need to embrace a little more in this season as you become carriers of love? Take it away to our online community. Take it away.